Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Listen as Pastor Michael speaks on being hungry for the more of God. Thank you for your welcome. Now I'm on, right? Awesome. Uh, Just wanted to make one note. Um, Emily mentioned hot summer nights. So in the summer, we are not going to meet every Sunday night. We're going to meet three times, four times, three times. We're going to meet once a month in the summer. And anybody remember... um, Hot summer nights, anybody remember worshiping outside? I mean, I I just missed that, long for that. We're going back outside, set up an amazing time of worship right in the heart of our community. Um, I remember we we had great reports from the community. We had people that would stop their car, get out and come in, or just come out because it's out, not in. And... uh, We got a message. Actually, they didn't know who it was and didn't send it to us specifically. It was on I Love Pal um, Facebook group that they were sitting on their porch in the Pal community and they heard this worship and they hadn't been in a worship setting in a long time and it greatly impacted them and they sat on their porch and worshiped with us. Isn't that powerful? That's why we have to get outside so people can worship with us. Can I just, uh, oh, you know what I didn't do again today? Didn't bring any jokes today. It's okay. Save that for, Jahan will be here next week. She'll have plenty of jokes for you. Um, I'll be in Argentina this coming weekend. And many of you have, agreed to send me to that. I tried to look. I don't know all the stuff, but I think we're about $500 short on that trip. And so I said, I don't want to go unless you guys want to send me. Not that I don't want to pay for it. I will at this point because I'm committed. But that first Sunday, you guys gave me enough to buy the ticket. So I just bought the ticket in faith. So I have a plane ticket and I'm going but I still need to be able to stay somewhere. And unless I fast the entire time, I'm gonna need to eat a little bit. And so uh, it's about 500 short. If you wanna give to that, you can text to give and just put missions at the end of it. Missions, if you don't do that, we won't know. It'll just go straight into the offering. But if you would like to help with that, missions, or you can just see me. If you wanna do it another way, cash check, whatever, and we will go. We're going either way. So pray for me. Uh, We'll pray for me before we leave today. I don't want to just be sent financially. I want to carry the spirit of this house to Argentina. Amen. I I want to, uh, can I give a little, there was one more thing I was going to say, and then I interrupted to say that, but it's okay. I want to give a little bonus this morning besides my sermon. Can I? During that worship, the last song, well, I mean, so many of the songs, what Chady shared was amazing. Um, 
right in line with what I would like to share. So many times there's a disconnect from what we're declaring and what we're believing. And so uh, I, I just want to say there's a, there's, a, there's a correlation, and I'm not talking about how you worship a specific way is better. More, if you're more elaborate or more exuberant, you're better. I just mean what's on the inside of you when you declare those words should be almost uncontainable. And, and, you know, so I'm not talking about what you do on the outside, what I can see, what I can judge, but I think many times what should be happening with the words that we're saying is not happening in our hearts and in our spirits because we've been robbed of the real faith of what we're saying. And also, I was thinking when we were, that last song, when we're just that, what's that line you kept repeating? Will not, the gospel truth of old will not kneel and will not faint. The gospel truth of old will not kneel, will not faint. Some of us can say that and be like, that's awesome, good for the gospel, proud of that little gospel. You know, I love the gospel. It's a good thing that the gospel is going to be around. There's probably people that need it. You know, so I'm thankful for the people that need the gospel today. Yes, thank you, Lord. It's different. It's different. It hits different if you are entirely and completely destitute if that gospel faints or if that gospel kneels, my life is absolutely bankrupt, corrupt, and empty. If you've built your life on that gospel, if it informs every decision you make, if you're at the job you're at because of that gospel, if you're at the city, if you live in the city you're in because of that gospel, if you married the person you married because of that gospel, if you've spent the last however many years raising your children the way you raised them because of that gospel, if that gospel turns out to faint or kneel or fail, your entire life is upside down. That hits different then, yeah, I want to have something to talk about once a week on Sundays. I'm not trying to be mean. I'm just, it hits different. And I thought about that while I, we were singing that, and I'm just like coming out of my skin because, yes, thank God, that gospel's not going to faint or fail. <laughs> yes. And my whole life is staked on that, is built on that. I don't have anything else to fall back on. I've burnt all the ships. There's a big thing going out, deconstructing our faith. People are deconstructing their faith. We need to deconstruct our faith in the things of the world so that there's nothing left. There's no worldly structures left that we've built that we could put any confidence or faith in. That would make times of worship different, wouldn't it? Some of you more seasoned saints, 
I just see it in your faces that worship hits different for you because you've seen it. You've lived it. Some of us younger folks think if the gospel faints, then I know I can somehow survive because I'm creative, I'm ingenuitive, I've got energy and passion. Some of you've tried a lot of stuff and you know and it hits different, and we need that voice. We need your voice. I love that. Padre, man, I'm, I'm just totally sidetracked, but Padre was just sharing something with me. I can't tell his story, but he was just telling me he's believed God for something for 25 years and had got to the place where, Padre! Padre, a pillar! The guy who's crazy faith does ridiculous stuff. If the Lord tells him to go and not stop for gas, he drives without gas and the God puts gas and sustains it. I don't do that. Actually, I have. And when I did it, I thought, this is a Padre moment when we went to Florida and we were just trusting God. We left home with nothing. I stopped by my dad's house and said, we're going to Florida. He said, you got any money? I'm like, no, but I had one tank of gas the Lord provided. So that's going to get us started, and God did it the whole way. No place to stay. That's what I'm going to do in Argentina. God's going to provide. <laughs> Amen? It's going to be great. But Padre, a pillar, had got to a place where I just don't think it's going to happen, really. Kind of giving up on that dream because he had let faith rise and failed. Let faith rise and failed. I didn't know Padre ever failed at anything in his whole life. And he said, something happened in me in this last year. I'm a resurrected man. And he believed again for this thing to take place. And it's not really a side note. It's really where we're going today. I think that's why it hits so fresh to me. So no matter where you are in your journey, the thing I grieve the most is folks who have just become complacent in a place where they quit believing that the living and active God still wants to work and move and do things in their life. So I told Padre that day, if you share a testimony of believing something at your age that God wants to change about you and in you that would have far more impact than anything I could possibly say. Because people look at me and say, of course God wants to change you. You've got a lot of issues. But we need people who look like they don't have issues. They've, they've ran an amazing life and they're in an established place. What God, what God's probably just happy with them coasting, but he's not. He's never done. He's never finished. And so I just wanted to look this up real quick. So I did in our time of worship in Romans 5. We love that passage. It says we find ourselves standing where we always hoped we would stand, you know? But I love the end of that in verse 
and this is not my sermon, but in verse uh, nine, now that we are set right with God by means of this sacrificial death, the consummate blood sacrifice, there's no longer a question of being at odds with God in any way. If when we were at our worst, we were put on friendly terms with God by the sacrificial death of his son, now that we're at our best, just think of how our lives will expand and deepen by means of his resurrection life. If, if God did great things to get you out of a mess, how much more does he want to do that now that you think you're in a good place? How much more? Where am I at? Now that we have actually received this amazing friendship with God, we're no longer content to simply say it in plodding prose. That's what leapt out to me in worship. Sometimes our worship sounds like plodding prose. Plodding prose is like a um, poetry term. Like prose, you can look up prose, it's, it's a... It's a type of poetry. It's a type of writing form. And plodding prose, here's what it is. Laboriously trudge monotonously in a dull, tiresome style. Void of metrical structure, commonplace expression or quality. That should not be our worship, but it can if, if what we're t singing about is not so relevant to my breath. But we should instead sing and shout our praises to God through Jesus Christ, the Messiah. Don't let your worship become prodding prose. I woke up this morning, I don't enjoy this. But I woke up this morning singing a song in my spirit. And it is a country song from the 90s. And I, I do not like when I feel like the Lord is shifting what I am prepared to share the morning that I'm trying to share it. I don't enjoy that at all. It makes me nervous. But he did nonetheless because I could not get this song out of my head. And I'm like, I haven't heard that song in a long time. Why is that song in my head? And here is a little, the part of the ditty that I kept singing over and over again. When we don't talk, when we don't touch, when it doesn't feel like we're even in love, how can I make you see it matters to me? When we don't talk, when we don't touch, when it doesn't feel like we're even in love, how can I make you see that it matters to me. Now, I feel like the Lord was saying to us today, when we don't talk, when we don't touch, when it doesn't even feel like we're in love, I said that wrong. That's probably plotting prose. 
How can I make you see that it matters to me? It matters to me. And today, I, want, I think he wants us to know that it matters to him. When we don't talk, when we don't touch, when it doesn't feel like we're even in love, it matters to him. St. Augustine said, oh God, you've made us for yourself and our hearts are restless until they find rest in you. You know, hunger is a sign of physical and spiritual health. You ever known of someone that has been sick and what is a sign of illness? They don't want to eat. What is a sign when someone's really deteriorating? Maybe hospice has come in and you get to the point and you say, they won't even eat anymore. That's not a good sign normally. And then what is a great sign when you say, they woke up today and they had an appetite. They wanted to eat. Our kids, man, they're sick and I, I, it always excites me when they want to eat again. Because I know we're over the hump when they want to eat. Because they always want to eat. Something is wrong if they don't want to eat. Something is wrong when we don't want to eat. When we don't talk, when we don't touch, when it doesn't feel like we're even in love. Are we hungry to talk? Are we hungry to touch? Are we hungry to be in love? In the natural, we get hungry by not eating. In the spiritual, we get hungry by eating. There's times in my life where I have to say, Lord, I'm not hungry. And I feel like the guy who prayed, I, I believe, but help my unbelief. And I have to say, Lord, I'm, I'm hungry, but help my lack of hunger. But if you're waiting for him to help your lack of hunger so that you'll be hungry to pursue the things of God, that doesn't work that way. You pursue the things of God and it makes you hungry for the things of God. Most of us in this room are about as close to God as we want to be. Most of us have about as much joy as we want. We have as much peace as we want. You are where you are right now because that's where you want to be. I've used this analogy before. I have to embarrass him again, but Philip, one time his phone was broken and he said, I hate not having a phone. And I said, you don't hate it enough or you would have one. Getting a new phone is not a statistical impossibility. You could if you wanted it bad enough. So you need to hate not having a phone more and then you'll get one. That's many years ago. He has a phone now, you can call him. Put his number on the screen. <laughs> I hate where I'm at. I hate the way I feel. I hate that I do this, I hate that I do that, I hate that I'm so distant from God, I hate where I'm at in my life. 
How much? Psalm 34, he says, oh, taste and see that the Lord is good. How blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Psalm 63, one says, oh, God, you are my God. I shall seek you earnestly. My soul thirsts for you. My flesh yearns for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. Psalm 42, 1, as a deer pants for the water brook, so my soul pants for you, O God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. Isaiah 55, 2 says, why do you spend money for what is not bread and your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. Incline your ear and come to me. Listen that you may live and I will make an everlasting covenant with you according to the faithful mercies shown to David. Luke 1.53, he has filled the hungry with good things and sent away the rich empty-handed. Romans 10.11 says, whoever believes in him will not be disappointed. Isaiah 55 says, for my thoughts, in verse 8, are not your thoughts nor your ways my ways. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. Our greatest deficiency is the inability to believe God is as big as he really is. It takes a transformation of the mind to even begin to believe God can do all that he says he can do. Chady was talking about it. There has to be new mercies every morning just to be able to scratch the surface of who he is. I believe that's what the new mercies every day are for. New mercies to grasp more of him because we're supposed to go from glory to glory. So there has to be new mercies for us to contain more of who he is. The worst thing we can do is think we've seen it all and be apathetic or indifferent that there is more. It's crazy. I feel like God set me up. Maybe that's why I was hearing that song this morning because last night, one of my memories on social media was from 2020 when we used to have, it wasn't even truck talks yet. That was pre-truck talks. That was picnic table in our yard talk. John and I had. We used to do weekly, which after her sermon last week, I don't know, maybe we take a vote, but I know it's going to take some discipline, but I think we should have uh, side-by-side talks. Side-by-side talks. We'll be in the side-by-side, and we'll have talks once a week, side-by-side talks. So those are going to come back. We started having truck talks, but 2020, it happened on whatever day yesterday, the 20th yesterday. We had Padre come on. You are our guest on our talk. And you, whatever you call it, visited, shared on our screen from the Bradbury house. 
and we were talking about more of God. From a book, I, don't, I forgot, I even read that book. I forgot more than I've ever learned in my life. Some book, The Way of Life by Bill Johnson, is talking about more, and we were talking about these principles. And, and one of the foundational things, we have to believe that there's more of God. We have to believe that there's more of God. If we don't believe that, then our pursuit becomes empty, and what do we sing about? We're just singing about what has previously happened in our life that has no determination on what's going to happen tomorrow. No wonder we're not very passionate about it. I mean, I'm already done with that. I already made it through that. But what about if, if if he's not who he says he is that we're singing about today, we have no hope for tomorrow. But my mom's saying when my sister was sick in the hospital, because he lives, I can face tomorrow. Because this gospel is not going to faint, is not going to fade, is not going to kneel, is not going to bow, then I can go forward. That makes us want to shout his praise, not plotting prose. Where is he in our lives? And our worship is very indicative of what place he holds in our lives. Another little rabbit trail. I don't know where these are coming from. I said I hate it when he changes it the morning of. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. I've preached this before. Out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. It doesn't say out of the heart, the mouth speaks. The mouth doesn't speak everything that's in the heart. It speaks what is overflowing out of the heart. So it speaks what is the predominant contents of the heart. Okay? So out of the abundance of the heart, the mouth speaks. So how much praise comes out of our mouth is indicative of how much our heart is built on who he is. If it comes out occasionally in plotting prose, then he's at best an acquaintance. If it comes out in every breath we take, then he is an intimate friend, an intimate lover that we talk to and we feel and we touch and we're in love with. It matters to him. We see in scripture a foundation that God does not diminish. In Joel, he says, in the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. That's an increase to where it was. When Peter got up and spoke at the day of Pentecost, he says, this is what was prophesied by the prophet Joel. In the last days, I'll pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and daughters shall prophesy and your young men shall see visions and your old men dream dreams. Where are the visions? Where are the young prophets? Where are the dreams? And I'm not saying it's non-existent. I'm just saying I don't think it's prevalent. 
as to what it needs. I think it's indicative of where we are in our hearts. We've become distracted. We've become consumed. In Isaiah 9, it says, verse 6, for a child will be born to us, a son will be given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and his name will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Eternal Father, Prince of Peace. There will be no end to the increase of his government or of peace. So what I said earlier was you have about as much peace as you want right now. Are you increasing in peace? He's increasing in peace. It's becoming more prevalent, more available because there's increase. It didn't just say there's no end to his government or his peace. There's no end to the increase of his government or his peace. Are we increasing or are we plateauing? But it says in the last days, I'll do things I'm not doing now. It says that it will increase. In John chapter two, Jesus' very first miracle. He's at a wedding, they run out of wine. Mary says, do what Jesus tells you to do. Jesus says, it's not my time. Mary kind of ignores him. Moms are moms, whether they're the mom of Jesus or the mom of Michael, you know? Jesus tells them to go fill the pots up with water, of course, brings it in, and the wine is, the water's turned to wine, and the wine, they taste the wine, and it's the best wine. And the host said, most people give the best wine first where everybody can taste it, and then when senses have become a little duller, they give the lesser wine. But you've saved the best wine for last. So we see a trend with the Lord that he increases and saves the best for last. So if we check out in the process, we're going to miss the best. Why is it that people who first get saved are more passionate than people who've been saved for a long time? It's better for those that have been saved for a long time. If we don't check out of the process. I'm tired of that being the only thing we're passionate about is salvation. I want to be passionate about the latest thing that he spoke to me and I obeyed and it transformed everything in my life. When we don't talk, when we don't touch, when it doesn't feel like we're even in love, how can I make them see that it matters to me? Acts chapter 17. For while I was passing through and examining the objects of your worship, I also found an altar with this inscription, to an unknown God. Therefore, what you worship in ignorance, this I proclaim to you, the God who made the world and everything that is in it, since he is the Lord of heaven and earth, does not dwell in temples made by hands nor is he served by human hands as though he needed 
anything since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things and he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation that they would seek God if perhaps they might feel around for him and find him though he is not far from each one of us So get this picture. They have all these idols and they have this, this shrine to an unknown God and they're super religious. And I have to guess if Paul visited us, some of our churches, he would say, man, that's a beautiful, beautiful building. Who is that for? And really... Our words would say God. Our lives would say it's an unknown God. It's undetermined, really, what the God of all this junk is that we're doing. And Paul deconstructs their faith in unknown gods, their religiousness. And he says, he does not dwell in these things. I mean, I just want to tell the church in America, God does not dwell in these buildings. God does not dwell in our religious duties. God does not dwell in our outfits. God does not dwell in our bumper stickers. God does not dwell in that big dusty family Bible that you put on your coffee table. He is alive and active and breathing and he dwells in us and through us. So he's determined, he's made everything and he's determined their times and their seasons and their locations. And I love this picture. Some people might think this is a degrading statement. Different translations says that they will grope around. I love this. He's saying He's done such a good job of where he's placed you and the circumstances of your life that you can find him with your eyes closed. That's what he's saying. He's done all this so that perhaps they could just feel around and find me. That means you don't even have to move. You just feel, oh, Lord, I don't know where you are. Just when we don't talk, when we don't touch, Right here. I have designed your life. I have designed your position. I have designed your time. I have designed your season. Not so that I could be far off from you, but that I could be close to you, so close that you can find me with your eyes closed. But it's hard to find me if you've got me mixed up with a bunch of other stuff. Jeremiah 2, 13. For my people have committed two evils. They have forsaken me, the fountain of living waters, to hew out for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns that can hold no water. Just as a reference, Jeremiah 38, 6, they throw Jeremiah into a cistern. A cistern is a, becomes a dungeon when it doesn't hold water. 
And so they throw Jeremiah in this cistern, which has become a dungeon because there's no water in it, but only mud. There's a residue of something in it, but there is no flowing anything in it. And so you have hewn out for yourself cisterns that hold no water. These idols that Paul was talking about are cisterns that hold no water. It's a form of something that has a fragrance, maybe even feels damp, maybe even has a smell of something that resembles the living water, but there is no water and it's just a dungeon. Religion is a cistern. Religion is a cistern and we get stuck in it when we put our faith in it and our hope in it. It's where I just saw us today. And, I, and I, in Luke chapter 19, there's a parable of talents. Luke chapter 19, if you're taking notes, 12 through 26, I'm not gonna read it. But there's a parable, Jesus tells a parable of a master who calls in 10 servants and he gives each of them 10 talents. And he says, I'm going away. And when I, you take these 10 talents and do what you do with them, right? And so, where are we at? And he says, do what you do with the 10 talents, be faithful over the 10 talents, and I'll come back. He comes to the first guy, says, what have you done? He says, master, I stewarded your 10 talents, I invested it, and it's made 10 more talents. And the master said, well done, you've been faithful over a few things, I'll make you ruler over many, and he put him over 10 cities. You guys, if you've been around here for a minute, you know I believe I was preaching this passage one day and I believe the Lord spoke that he's gonna give us 10 cities. If we're faithful over what he's given us here. He goes, the next guy, what'd you do? I've invested it, it made five more talents. Good job, rule on five cities. The next guy, he says, you're a hard taskmaster, master, wanting what you did not earn. So I buried it. It may be a little bit of a leap today, but the Lord just showed me this correlation between these cisterns that we dig out that become dungeons and the holes that we dig to bury what he's entrusted to us. And we make it something that we come and we visit. We make it something that is an acquaintance. We make it something that we tell little cute Bible stories about. Maybe even we read stories to our children at bed from a little Bible storybook. But we don't take what we've been given and live with it and steward it and apply it where it brings increase in our life. We get our ticket to heaven. We get our salvation badge. And I believe that this passage in Luke chapter, what is it, 19, I believe is, is, goes 
many places in stewarding the kingdom. Because they think that he's established, this story, this parable comes out because they think he's going to establish his kingdom on earth and, and we're going to take dominion and we're going to be a king and we're going to overthrow the Romans. And he's, and he's saying it's not that, it's this. So it's not a huge leap to see that he's saying like, I'm giving you kingdom talents. I'm giving you resources of heaven. I'm giving you availability and applicability and all this stuff. And then what you do with it will determine the increase that comes from your life. But thinking the wrong things about God that like he's a taskmaster and so we don't ever want to mess up. So we get so tight in this religious stuff that we end up just trying to, our rest of our lives, just trying to walk a tightrope of maintaining our ticket. And we bury it. We don't explore. We don't take chances. We don't anything. There are people so afraid from anything that is the kingdom that they, 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 they just label everything as heresy. People will find one sermon that a man preached that they didn't agree with and they'll trash can every life-giving word he's ever spoken. There's people that have left this place because I subscribe, I love the teachings of different people and maybe that person taught something they didn't understand so they made conclusions about that person then made conclusions about me that are different than just sitting here listening to me. <laughs> but it's a religious thing. See what I'm saying? It's an idol, it's a hole, it's a burying something. It's taking this thing and religiously trying to do something with something that's some fixture or permanent structure when it's not something you can visit, it's something that you've got to carry. It's something that, that is alive. It's not water that you can go draw from. It's water that has to flow out of you. It's not talents that you can just bury and then just go get some out when you want them. That will go away. The cistern leaks. It leaks. The talents diminish. What happened when he buried them? He lost them all. Reminded of Samson when he would shake himself and strength would come on him. I see us shaking ourselves and there's nothing there because all we've had is some religious expression of the kingdom and we've not had anything alive and living coming out of us. Proverbs 3, 6 says, in all your ways acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. A few years ago, I had Jeremy and Jennifer model this for us and I got a big t-shirt and that was acknowledge and Jeremy and Jennifer got in that t-shirt together acknowledging is not <laughs> Sunday that's not acknowledging acknowledging is you in him and him in you 
No separate. You can't even find where he ends and you begin or where you end and he begins. It's a lie. When we don't talk, when we don't touch, when it doesn't even feel like we're in love. And then our pasts are all jacked up and we're like, what happened? What happened to my talent in the hole? What happened to my sister? What happened to my idol? It's where you left it. It's not been in you. It's not been, it's not been leading you. It's not been directing you. Romans 8, 15 in the message says, this resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid and this is what got me, okay? See this correlation? A cistern, what's a cistern? It's a hole in the ground. Where'd he put his talents? A hole in the ground. This resurrection life you receive from God is not a timid, grave-tending life. It's not a grave-tending life. It's not a tombstone you visit. Monument, come on, that's dead. Religion is dead, are you with me? The thing Paul was talking about was monuments. The cisterns are a hole. The talent is in the ground. This is not some dead thing that you come and visit on Sunday. It's adventurously expected. Greeting God with a childlike, what's next, Papa? God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. <laughs> we don't even know who we are. We know who he is and we know who we are, father and children. And we know we are going to get what's coming to us. An unbelievable inheritance. We go through exactly what Christ goes through. If we go through the hard times with him, then we're certainly going to go through the good times with him. And it goes on to say, and don't worry because the hard times are not even comparable to the glory that's going to be revealed in us. I got to stop. He pulled us out of the mire. That's that sister. It's that mud. Gotta stop. Guys, you don't even have this one. Galatians 4, 8 through 11, the passion. Before we knew God as our Father, we were unwitting servants to the powers that be which are nothing compared to God. But now that we truly know him and are intimately known by him, why would we for a moment consider turning back to those weak and feeble principles of religion? As though they were still, we were still subject to them, why would we want to scrupulously observe rituals like special days, celebrations of the new moon, annual festivals, and sacred years? I'm so alarmed about you that I'm beginning to wonder. I gotta say, 10 years, Pastor, and some days I have these thoughts. I'm beginning to wonder if my labor and ministry among you was a waste of time. Not because we observe a day, not because of those things, but because 
That's all we observe. Let me just end with this. Acknowledge him in all your ways. He'll make your path straight. There's folks that haven't talked to him, haven't touched him, haven't been in love with him, haven't acknowledged him, haven't known him and been known by him in so long. And here's the wearying part. The language as it is, is as if they are believers. Christians, faith people. And we don't want to hear anything different than that. I mean, if you're doing all the things that from the outside makes it look like that you are talking with him and touching him and being intimate with him and knowing him, then who am I to come into you and say, hey, your house is on fire. Religion ties the hands of spiritual leaders. That's the biggest problem with religion. It ties the hands of spiritual leaders because what can we say when you're doing all the right stuff outwardly? But yet I know you're dead bones inside. And you come and people come and, and I promise you this is nothing that's happened. This isn't response to anything. This is just the heart start, Lord stirring me. I don't even, I can't remember the last conflict I've had. I don't have, it's awesome. Maybe. The absence of conflict is not peace. Let me say that again. Some of y'all's marriages, the absence of conflict is not peace. Maybe your spouse is so apathetic that they've given up. The absence of conflict is not peace. But I haven't had conflict. I don't know. There are not a lot of people in chaos that I know about. But I know there's a lot of people in conflict and there's a lot of people in chaos. (laughs) But your hands are tied. But there are times people come and... I don't know what's happening. This is my life. This stuff's just going crazy. This has happened. This has happened. I don't have any peace. I don't have any joy. I, 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 I just, this just came out of nowhere. No, it didn't come out of nowhere. It came out of a very prolonged period where you didn't acknowledge him in anything you did. Yeah, folks, believe in God. It sounds like in a time of crisis, like, God, now I want to, I want you to fix my marriage. I want you to fix my house. I want you to fix my finances. I want you to fix everything. But I didn't trust you with any of that while I was messing it up. And hey, man, God is a rescuer. It's, it's awesome. He's wonderful. But it's sad that He could rescue us from even that experience of having to be rescued from that destruction by just acknowledging him in our lives. 
He wants to talk. He wants to touch. He wants to be in love. He wants to be acknowledged. He wants to be intimate. He wants to be in your words and coming out of the abundance of your heart. He wants to be intimate with you. And he wants to make your path straight. He wants you to avoid destruction. He wants you to avoid heartache. He wants you to avoid needing to be rescued from things that were very obvious they were coming. You guys stand with me this morning. I hope I did not come across harsh this morning. This is his word first to me and then to you. You are second hand hearers of his word to me. I went on a quest years ago. I was so frustrated and angry in life. I would snap at the, I mean, drop of a hat and I carried a hat with me so I could drop it. (laughs) My wife didn't like me. My kids didn't like me. I went on this quest real quick. I know we're late. I just, I got to make sure you understand the heart. Went on this quest and I'm in a room full of guys and these quests, this is not a religious thing at all. I mean, it's an invitation from people from all walks of life. Some of them, it's an intervention that families have, have saved and said, you're going to this or else. I mean, it's, it's an amazing thing. Fellowship of the sword, quest. Some of these other young men have gone. And I go to it and they have this time where it's like confession. And we go around the room and it's called a mercy seat and you, you, you confess things. And man, these guys are confessing things. Like crazy things. And at this point in my life, we've planted a church. How many kids did I have, Jahan? Six kids. We've planted a church. We've got six kids, you know. And they're like, and I'm like, what am I gonna confess? Like, I'm perfect. Like, as far as compared to these guys, that's gonna sound terrible. And the Lord said, just confess that you don't trust me. I was like, don't trust you? Hold on a minute, Lord. Let me tell you a few things. I made $10,000 a year for the last two years planting a church. I busted my butt, drive a school bus, mow grass. I am probably trust you more than anybody on this planet. I felt like you said to trust you with our offspring. I wanted to. We've got six. Little did I know it was going to be nine. How can we, I mean, how many kids do I got to have before you know I trust you? How much money do I got to make before you know I trust you and not money? I mean, you know. He said, yeah. That's crazy. 
that you would do all that stuff for me and not trust me. That's why you're so angry. Because you're trying to do stuff for me, but you don't trust me. So you're miserable. It's just a hard thing. You trust him. You acknowledge him. You talk with him. Do you touch him? Are you intimate with him? Are you just doing stuff for him, not for him, world, whatever it is, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter if you call it church. It doesn't matter if you call it good. It doesn't matter if you call it religion. None of this is about any of this stuff. It's about you. And it's about him. And it's about being in relationship with him. And all this stuff, it doesn't say all this stuff will never pass away. All the things, all the kingdoms we make, even good things with great intentions will pass away. The only thing that will sustain us is our intimacy with Him, our relationship with Him. Prayer team, if you'll come this morning. I just want to give everybody an opportunity. If you want prayer this morning, there's folks here that can pray with you. If you don't even know Him, this guy, this God we're talking about, maybe you're like, I don't even know if I know Him. I don't know if I've been living in a cistern. I don't know if everything I think about God is just some religious thing. If you want to know him today, I just want you to come to this banner right here. They'll meet you up here and just introduce you to him and you can come home to him and come into relationship with him. If you need prayer for any other thing in your life, prayer team is here. We love you. We'll see you next Sunday. Be blessed in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to this audio podcast from Redemption Life Church. Be sure to stay connected with us on Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube at Redemption Life Church.